0: Welcome to the Crazy Confidence Podcast, where I'm going to help you explore areas where you can be more confident in your body, in business, in motherhood, in friendships. We're going to talk about it all. I'm ready for you to stop falling asleep to your life and start living the life you are called to live with confidence. I'm your host, Nikki Wilson. Let's get to the show. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of the Crazy Confidence Podcast. I am taking a little bit of a turn today. I know I normally talk mostly about body image and how to love yourself more and accept your body. And this is taking a little bit of a turn away from that, not totally, because listen, I want to make sure I share with you guys confidence in all aspects of life. And this episode is really going to blow your mind. It's going to make you cry. So go ahead and get a tissue ready because it's going to make you cry. My guest today is Sarah Nelson and Shelly Reeves. They are talking about a story that interconnected them in times of crisis and grief. It's such a good story. I cannot wait for you to hear it. But Sarah has recently written a devotional book. It's a 28-day devotional called A Perfect Storm, Devotions During a Crisis. And she says she's woven this story in with practical pieces of insight that you guys can take away, of how to apply things to your own faith journey, of things that she's gone through, things that Shelly has gone through. And it comes out of a time of crisis for Sarah, for her daughter, Adalie, who suffered from a stroke when they were on a ski vacation, just a normal family ski vacation. And kind of out of nowhere, her daughter suffers from a stroke. So she's going to talk about that. With Shelly Reeves, who is a friend of Sarah's, who around the same time had the unfortunate struggle with infant loss. She lost her daughter a few hours after she was born. And so, yeah, you're going to want to get your tissue ready because this is, yeah, it's a deeper episode, but what I want you guys to take away from this and just hear in Sarah's Testimony is how God used obedience to really speak into and minister to Shelly's life without Shelly really, without each other really even knowing about it. So it's a great story. I want you to also realize that sometimes you might have a calling on your life and it feels too big, it feels too massive, it feels too scary. And you don't know what to do about it. And I just hope that Sarah's encouragement of writing this devotional and writing in her blog, like, what it meant to other people. And I just really want to send that message home that God can use you in just the smallest acts of obedience. And you need to have confidence in that. Confidence to move forward in the little I call them, you know, God dreams of your life. You can do it, y'all. I want this to inspire you to do it. And also, secondly, I think this is going to make you guys more confident friends. When you're facing crisis or when your friends face crisis, And you know how sometimes it's like, oh, we'll take them a meal, but I really don't know what to do beyond that. And you either withdraw (laughs) totally because you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to do the wrong thing. You don't want to make it about you. So there are the people who withdraw, you know, and we don't want you to do that. We're going to talk about like Sarah and Shelly both give us ways to really be a good friend in this, like in a crisis time when your friends lose a child. When your friends have a crazy medical crisis going on and they really can't tend to their own lives. And, you know, so much of it that is just about like being in tune and listening and asking. So I think you're really going to enjoy that too. So while this isn't a typical like, hey, we're going to talk about body and aging and all that, it all does tie in because this is the kind of stuff we all go through and our lives are not promised to be easy. God promises to be faithful in our lives, but that doesn't mean easy. And somehow culture has hijacked the Christian message that, hey, if you're a Christian, nothing bad ever happens and you just prosper all the time. And if you don't, that's on you. And that's just really not true. It's quite the opposite. It's so much about how you have faith and how you are still giving God glory and being obedient in these crisis times. And you come out on the other side unscathed, maybe not emotionally, but spiritually, you know, you're, you're a different person. You're a stronger person, but it's not happened. It is going to happen. And I'm finding myself more and more just seeing that, hey, I'm in my forties and I'm experiencing a lot of friends going through really, hard things, unthinkable things. And I know I probably will too one day. So it's just such an encouragement and it gave me a lot of confidence just to be a better friend and to be obedient in who God called me to be. Okay. I'm going to let you listen to Sarah. She's an author, blogger, singer. Um, She's just kind of all around does it all and her friend Shelly Reeves. i'm going to let you listen to their story let's go okay guys i am so happy to have sarah and shelly here i am always just amazed at the amount of talent that our little waco town puts out they're just amazing people like i could come up with so many over and over and over about just like amazing women who have stories to share and things that they create that matter. And so I'm really excited to have you guys on. So thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having us. Yes.
0: As I'm so excited to get into this. A little bit of sensitive matter, I would say, just so our listeners know that, you know, we're going to talk about hard things. And I usually really into like, confidence in body, confidence and you know, that kind of thing. But I also really love diving into things that bring us more confidence in our relationships with each other and friendships and just how to be a more confident friend in times of crisis. But I want to talk to you today and I want you guys to talk. I don't want to do a lot of talking, but I want you guys to do the talking. But Sarah recently wrote a devotional book. Called A Perfect Storm Devotions During a Crisis. And I would think, Sarah, nobody really wants to birth a devotional out of a crisis situation, but you did. And I think your story is um, I mean, I remember when this was going down in real time, and just like, I think just the panic that goes through people's minds when something like this happens to somebody you know and love and you know the child. So I know the story, but would you mind just sharing with the listeners about like kind of what brought you to write this devotional book?
1: Yeah. So A Perfect Storm is a 28-day devotional written against the backdrop of our two true stories that are two different crisis and a story of loss that we kind of shared at the same time. And so in 2014, uh, we were on a family ski trip with my three children and my husband. Uh, It was our first ski trip as a family of five. My kids were five, seven, and two during the time. And while we were on the ski trip, our two-year-old suffered an ischemic stroke on the left side of her brain. So we immediately were in the hospital for two weeks. Then we were in a rehabilitation center in Dallas for over a month because she had to go through rehabilitation. But as she had her stroke, she lost her ability to walk, talk, and really was paralyzed on her right side of her body. So we literally watched her body kind of debilitate before our eyes. It was a very traumatic situation. And so the story starts with that crisis. And then it also intertwines Shelly's story about the loss of her daughter and going through that. And it just shows how the story revealed how God works through those situations to bring hope.
0: Okay, Sarah, I want to back up a little bit. So you go on the first ski trip as a whole family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my goal on those is to just nobody break a limb (laughs) and we have had a broken limb or two before. Um, So that is always like, for me, like, oh, worst case scenario. But like, because skiing is such a weird sport to me that we do that. But like, how did you, cause it wasn't ski related, right? So it's just like randomly you're, you happen to be on a ski vacation and tell me, like, walk me through the mom's instinct of like, okay, something's really off.
1: So before we went, I was kind of on high alert because all of my kids had had like a really quick virus, each in of one another, just fever, nothing of any, there was no alarm, any concern that went off in my head. If if they were going to have a virus, it was just this one. We've had a lot more sickness than just a little fever for a few hours and one after another. So I was already on high alert. Allie was already going into the daycare at the bottom of the mountain. And so I noticed she was really quiet as we traveled and I thought it was just because she was two and she was getting used to her surroundings because she was really chatty. But the morning after we arrived, she woke up and she had climbed in bed with me the night before. And then when she woke up, she got out of bed, she went to the door and I looked up at her and I said, adelie where are you going? Good morning. And she turned around to me and she didn't say anything. And she just kind of smiled a half smile. And I immediately knew something was different because she had never done that before. And it was as if half of her face wasn't moving. And typically she was really chatty and she would respond to me in words and sometimes sentences. And so when she just kind of mumbled to me, I thought, Oh, something is different this morning. And I immediately caught on to that. So I noticed that morning she ate, she was still very quiet But it wasn't until three o'clock that day and all day I was completely unsettled. Something was just off with her. And I even fell skiing that day because I felt off my, there was something in my mother's gut that didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. So I actually, after using my face as a human snowplow in the last fall, Mark digging me out of like a five foot drift snow. I was like, I'm done. I hurt my knee. I'm going to go check on Adelie. Something is off. Yeah. I go down there. I pick her up from the nursery down at the bottom of the hill. And I looked at her and I said, did you have a good time? And she kept running up and down the slide. She hadn't started dipping in her leg yet, which I had noticed just about an hour later, but she looked at me. And when I said, did you have fun? She just looked at me and there was no response. Mm-hmm. And I took her out to the car. Mark was loading up all the kids. And I immediately said to him, something is wrong. We have to get her to the doctor and we have to get her to the doctor now.
0: And then, so did he,
1: was he like, yeah, okay. Okay. Mama let's, let's go. Yeah. So we went to our lodge about within less than five minutes, we arrive at our lodge. I get on the phone with the pediatrician. Actually, it was her nurse here in Waco. And I was telling her, I said, something isn't right. She's not really responding. She's giving me a half a half a smile. While I was on the phone with the pediatric nurse, I was watching her walk around and I saw her leg, her right leg just start to dip as she walked yet. She seemed happy. And I was explaining this to the nurse. And I said, we're going to take her to the, the clinic here on the mountain. This is Mark's. He was speaking logic And he was speaking wisdom and discernment. Like, this is the logical way to go about this. We'll take her to the clinic on the side of the mountain. And if something's wrong, they'll transfer her to a hospital where I had initially said, let's just take her to a hospital because I knew that what he was saying was logical, but I didn't feel right. And so I got off the phone with the nurse within two minutes, we're having this conversation. She calls me back and she said, I just spoke with your pediatrician. She said, whatever you do, don't take her to the clinic on the side of the mountain. She said, take her into Salt Lake city. There's a children's hospital there. I know somebody that has worked at that hospital, take her and take her now. Wow. And so you take her
0: in to the hospital in Salt Lake and like immediately, are
1: they like, okay, she's had a stroke. Yes. So I literally, we were in full ski gear, right? We hadn't changed. I grabbed Adelie. I grabbed my purse, my diaper bag. We were able to leave the other two kids with his family who was in our lodge. We were all staying together, Mark's family. We got in the car and we drove straight in 25 minutes to the hospital. We got to the ER within minutes. He looked at me, the pediatric neurologist who was on call looked at me. He said, I fear your daughter is having a stroke. And it was if I knew it in my subconscious, but I had no idea. It was it was just, I can't even describe it. And he showed us how her right hand was weakening. He was showing us how she was continually starting to dip in her leg. And so before our eyes, she was losing functioning in the right side of her body. So they immediately whisked her away. We did a CAT scan, immediately went in then to an MRI and it was not chaos, but it felt like chaos because it was all these people tending to her at once. And it was, it was traumatic.
0: Absolutely traumatic. I mean, I have heard the story, but my eyes, y'all can't see them, but they're like wide as can be it's just because I, I can't imagine. And like the thing that keeps going over and over in my head is just the amount of like mom instinct. I mean, a dad's going to have dad instincts too. So it's definitely, but it is like something just inside of us. We all have like a mom instinct story where, and the logic gets in the way or, you know, somebody wants to be like, it's fine. Like you're overreacting, but like how many times do we all have a story of, no, this is not right. Or no, I don't trust this path that we're taking we're not going to do it. And it has like saved your kid's life or, you know, come to a conclusion so quickly that is really like detrimental for something. So I'm just like blown away. Just, you know, it's something so simple, but also like we all have it. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm over here still blown away, even though I know the story. So you're going through all the chaos in the emergency room. And then like what transpires after that?
1: Well, from a spiritual perspective, we were in there for several hours and they whisked her away for the second time. And I literally was hearing a conversation between one of the neurologists at that point. We didn't know what her life was going to look like. There are no real clear answers or prognosis that they can give with a stroke. Every stroke is different. Mm -hmm. We really didn't have any answers. and, And I just felt the rug of normality being pulled out from under us. I was thinking, I'm gonna have to learn sign language. Am she gonna be a wheelchair for the rest of her life? But there was a resolve to also think for the rest of my life, if I have to take care of her, I will absolutely do it to the fullest of my ability. Yet I had this anguish that was being pulled in so many different directions. It had settled in my stomach. And I just paused for a minute. I went out to the hallway in the ER. I looked down a dark corridor and I felt God say to me, Sarah, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am here. I am God. And I am constant. And he breathed so many lessons into me in that moment because he was saying, I will not change. And it made me realize that her life, regardless of how it looked On this side of heaven, even if her body was broken and she never recovered on this side of heaven, that she would one day be eternity and whole again. Mm -hmm. And it just gave me this perspective of how temporary this life is and how quickly it goes by, and just to rest in the assurance of his promise. And so it was incredible because as he spoke to me in this very brief moment, I literally felt the peace fall over my shoulders as if he had placed a piece of cloak around my neck and I wore it around my neck for a very long time. That's how it felt. And it didn't take away the stress or the pain or the anguish that I felt in my stomach, but it definitely covered it and sustained me to be able to handle what we were dealing with. And so from there, she was in the hospital for two weeks and then she was admitted into rehabilitation center in Dallas which was great because it was the only rehabilitation inpatient facility kind of like this in the nation specifically for children at the time, yet it was so close to home. And and Dallas is where I grew up, so it was home for me. It was in our backyard of Waco, being that the fact that this is home for us. And so it worked out really well. We were there for a month and she did, she had a pretty quick recovery and that was a miracle in and of itself. But it was during that time, that I felt led to share. And this that was kind of a part of the time where Shelly's story transpired. Okay. Shelly,
0: do you want to share a little bit about your story too? Yes. Okay. So
2: spring break 2014, um, kind of the same time frame as Adelie's stroke. I was pregnant with our fourth child and we went for our 20-week anatomy scan. My Eight-year-old at the time went with me hoping that I would let her find out the gender, even though I hadn't planned. And at that appointment, um, the ultrasound tech was really quiet and didn't say anything. And at the end, he said, why don't you wait for the doctor in his office, which was odd. Normally, there would be like an exam afterwards. So I go into the office, and the nurse kind of takes Kelsey with her. And the doctor says, you have no amniotic fluid. The baby cannot survive without it. The lungs won't develop. And here's the number to a specialist call and make an appointment for tomorrow. So we went the next day down to temple, met with a specialist. He confirmed everything that the baby's kidneys weren't working, that, you know, without the kidneys working, the lungs would not develop. And there was just really not a chance that she would survive. And he, at the time he said, I have to offer you the chance to terminate the pregnancy if you want And I didn't even look at Matt. I was just like, no, like we're not, we're not terminating the pregnancy. Like God will make that decision and we will pray for a miracle until he tells us otherwise. But that is not an option. And so all of this happened kind of at the same, like within the same week of everything going on with Adelie. And Sarah, I don't know if you want to talk about your blogging or if kind of how that all intertwined into really a miracle of a story between both of us but that's kind of the, the start.
1: So actually it started before Adelie had her stroke in December of 2013, because Shelly and I were sitting in a little restaurant here in Waco with two other friends. And she announced to us that she was going to have her fourth baby. And so we were all so excited for her and we were just talking about it. She was talking about how they had been praying about this and, and asking the Lord kind of for direction. So we were just so grateful to celebrate that she was going to have another baby. And so then roll around in February, we're dealing with this crisis. And after a couple of weeks in the hospital, I put together a caring bridge blog because there were so many people who were asking for updates and our community was incredible in helping us and supporting us and praying for us that I wanted to update everyone. But when you're in that kind of crisis mode. You're dealing with so many doctors. You can't respond. The only person I had time to respond to was my mom and Mark would respond to his dad and then they would fill everybody else in. Mm-hmm. So this bridge blog allowed me to give everyone updates and it kind of started to develop in a way where I was able to see their prayers being answered. And I wanted them to see this is what you're praying for. And this is what I saw today. This is how the Lord is working in this situation. Like there were miracles and there was incredible work and prayers that were being prayed and things that were happening, that lessons that we were learning. And I just started to feel the responsibility to share that because I, I know that sometimes the faith of those who are praying for us are so important and people who are praying for you, they can end up, it will end up building their faith to see their prayers being answered. If they can't see that firsthand or if they can't see it firsthand, it was just an incredible opportunity. We were actually standing there in the hospital one day and Mark looked at me. He said, you know what? This may not even be about us. There might be a bigger picture at play here. And he caught on really fast. And so I felt that responsibility. And so when we were in our children's house, which is the rehabilitation center, she had already started walking. It was incredible. It was beyond anything I can ever explain and describe because it was in an instant. She just started running down the hallway one day in therapy. And as I began to share, the Lord began to impress on me that I was supposed to share a testimony on Psalm one eighteen twenty four. 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Now, mind you, I knew Shelly was pregnant, but I knew nothing that she was dealing with or going through because I was in my own cocoon at the hospital. I wasn't getting any information in right. with anybody that was going on, you know, at home or in our lives, because we just didn't have the bandwidth for it. At that time, I wasn't able to communicate with anyone. And so I began to feel that he was asking me to share about this personal testimony of how he had prepared me in the last two years since Adelie was born for this moment. I actually thought he was preparing me and disciplining me with that scripture for something else. And I was, thought I was ready for it. And then I was in the hospital with her. And it reminded me that the testimony was that this is the day the Lord has made. No matter what, God is good and I will rejoice. In him that day, regardless of what is going on around us, because he is still constant. And so I didn't want to share it because I thought I'm already being vulnerable. I'm already giving message and lessons of how God is working to these people. And it's just feels so vulnerable. I cannot share this. I don't want to make this platform about me. I was like, I don't want to do that. So for about a week, I felt like, something was being uh, needed like dough in my stomach. And I couldn't shake it that I was supposed to share this on this blog, which really seems simple, but it's not when you're going through it. Yeah. And I prayed one night after Adalie was in bed, we're laying in the hospital, the low lights of Dallas are shining through the window, the blinds. And I just said, Lord, if you want me to share this, I need a sign because this is too raw. It's too hard. And if I'm supposed to share it, I want to make sure it's coming across in the right way. I don't want it to come across like this is about me because it's not. It's about Adelie. It's about you. It's about building the faith of other people. Mm -hmm. And so the next morning, now, mind you, we were in a Baylor network facility where they brought scripture on her tray for breakfast, lunch, dinner, right? Right. So here I am feeling like I'm supposed to share this testimony about Psalm 118, 24, how the Lord prepared me for this time. And I'm laying there. I pray to him. I give it to him and say, okay, I'm just going to give it to you. I need a sign. The next morning I wake up and the scripture that was delivered on Adelie's breakfast tray was Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I literally laughed because God gave me a sign on a silver platter.
2: Literally.
1: And so I literally got a sign. And so I, I shared that. I put it out there. I didn't know if it was for for one person. I didn't know if it was for many. I didn't know, but that wasn't my job. My job was to obey. My job was to follow through and be okay with the fact that I may never know who's reading this and I may never know how God uses it. And we have to be okay with that. So I just put it out there. I let it go. And I didn't think about it again until I know until (laughs) I got back and this was the first week of April, you know, we had been in the hospital for a month and I was trying to spend time with my other kids, you know, Shelly and I, our two oldest children were in first grade at the same class together at that time. So we were at field day at the end of the year festivities, we're outside around all these kids playing all these activities. They're laughing, there's loud, they're racing, they're playing games. And Shelly walks up and she's in her third trimester and I hadn't seen her. I didn't know what was going on. And I said, oh my gosh, Shelly, you look so beautiful. I said, what are you having? And she looked at me and she said, well, I'm having a girl but she's not going to live. And Shelley, do you want to share what you said to me in that moment? Sure, so
2: I remember that day exactly. And I said, Sarah, um, I read your blog post that day about Psalm 118, and I said, it totally changed my perspective. I had, you know, we were sad and we didn't really know how to continue. And I read that post about, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And I decided, you know, we can mope around for the next five months or we can you know just rejoice in the time that we have and continue to pray for our miracle but that we're going to you know that's what we're going to believe in and hold on to and so her blog post completely changed my perspective that day
1: i was stunned i was floored because when she said that to me here i had gotten out of the hospital my child was in crisis but i got to bring her home and my child lived and i was feeling so ill-equipped. I had no words for Shelly. I was completely ill-equipped, or at least that's how I felt, to say anything that could offer or provide any sort of just support or comfort for her. and But that had already happened. The Holy Spirit already had ministered to her in that moment. My job was just to be a friend, but I, I was floored, and it was humbled, and It changed my outlook on this whole testimony and, and it really gave me confidence to continue to minister through this story because as things unfolded, you know, Shelly continued to go through what they did. And and then do you want to share Shelly then on the day of Caroline? Sure. So
2: June 25th, Kelsey, my oldest daughter was at camp three hours away. My second daughter McKenzie was spending the night at my parents and I was on day three of potty training, Ainsley, my two-year-old. And I woke up that morning and I just knew something was off. And I'm like, you know, this cannot be happening. This is not the right day. We had planned to actually induce the following week because the longer that the pregnancy progressed, the more chances that she would die. And we wanted, we really wanted her to be born alive. And um, that was important to me. And so We raced to the hospital in Temple and they were able to stop labor until we could get my daughter from camp and get, my sister came from Dallas. My aunt and uncle came from Houston and Austin until everybody got there. Friends came and then she was born and she was born alive. She weighed three pounds, 10 ounces, and she lived for about three or four hours. Um, We were able to take pictures and the girls got to give her a bath and love on her. And then, you know, slowly everyone began to leave. Um, Matt and I had a few more hours with her and then we called the nurse to take her and we got home that night and we spent some time at my parents with some friends. And when we got back to our house, I climbed in bed and just the day did not seem real. I'm like, you know, 12 hours ago, she was, I was pregnant. And in that length of time we had given birth, we had walked out of the hospital without a baby. And so I did all I knew to do. I grabbed the devotional, the daily devotional from my nightstand and opened it up to June 25th. And the verse of the day was Psalm 118, 24. And so it's just one of those, this can't be real. I mean, I texted Sarah that night at like 1130. I'm like, you will not believe this. Like God's hand was in all of this. And I don't know, you know, who knows if Adalie had her stroke specifically to minister to me about Caroline. I don't know, but I can't see how anyone can doubt just the presence of God. Those are not coincidences.
0: Okay, I'm crying. So I'm trying to compose. Um, so that is just like, it's so layered of just the beautiful picture of like God's provision one. And then just, because here's what I'm learning in, especially I turned 40 and I feel like Literally every week, there's a new crisis with a friend or with myself. You know, like we've had our own things. I'm just learning like our lives are so frail, you know, and like life is a vapor and we are not promised easy ever, period. And so I just think it's so beautiful the way pain was intertwined, (laughs) you know, with these stories. And I think that really happens all the time if we allow our eyes to be open to see it. And I think one of the things that I'm hearing through this, and, you know, we've heard stories again and again, but what I love about this is this was like an act of obedience that led to, you know, something bigger, an agent of healing in someone else's life. So, Sarah, I want to ask you, like, what what does it feel like to be obedient to write something so vulnerable? You know, writing a book and having it published is, like, the ultimate vulnerable. Like, it's like, just, is anybody going to read it? Uh, You know, you can really talk yourself out of it. But, like, what do you think carried you through going forward and writing it?
1: Well, I had multiple confirmations and have had to pray with in every step of it. I did not have a goal of I'm going to write a book someday. In fact, even though I am a writer in my own sense, I thought the life of an author sounded boring. <laughs> but don't say that you won't do something because God will make you do it. Right. But I lived. The first thing that I dealt with was understanding how to move forward with writing it all down and being okay with just doing it without a format in mind. And so there were, again, there were multiple confirmations that God gave me, but one, when we know we're supposed to do something, you know, the enemy will really press in. And I started facing fear, like I've never felt fear before. And it was a fear of how do I minister to someone who's lost a child? Okay. Okay. Shelly and I have already walked through this. We've already seen how God has intertwined this. And I was still dealing with this and it dawned on me one day. And God said, remember Shelly's testimony. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I was still walking in the aftermath of dealing with therapy and child and medical. I was navigating through a fog for years And we were so blessed in so many ways that she was doing well, but there was a lot of work day to day that was and a lot of processing, a lot of moving forward that was taking place. So it was a long process for me, but Shelly's testimony reminded me that all I'm supposed to do is what God asks me to do. I have to let the Holy Spirit do the job that only the Holy Spirit can do. Mm -hmm. because I may not feel like I have the words to talk to a mom who may have lost her child. But you know what? Shelly's been through that. And these stories are intertwined. And the Lord has already shown how he ministered to her. And it wasn't through me. It was through scripture because that's how he ministers to all of us. And that has carried me through literally every step of the way of that reminder that this is a story that is meant to be shared, but it it just shows that when we give it to the Lord, let him do the work, let him reach people's hearts because that's his job.
0: Yeah. And I really want you guys who are listening to hear that because I think so often things happen in our lives and it has a purpose. And I mean, sometimes it's writing a book. Sometimes it's, maybe it's not that big or that you know that much time devotion but i just want people to hear that you know if there's a call in your heart if there's even a little prompting i always say you can't make because people will be like oh maybe it was just me thinking i should write a book or i should write a devotion or whatever it is and i'm like no because our little pea brains cannot come up with that you know i i always say the crazier it feels the more of god it is Because we are not equipped to do it on our own. Mm -hmm. So it's literally like, okay, you want me to do what? Okay, like I'll be obedient, but I don't know what I'm doing. Because I think people just, if you're listening and you feel like, yeah, but I don't even know what the next step would be in this obedience. I would say like most of us don't. (laughs) Like you literally just take a baby step and know that your experience has been enough. And what you have to say is enough. And just like Sarah said, the right people hear it at the right time. And honestly, I think it has nothing to do with us. And I think the more we can remember that as we go forth in like obedience and small steps of obedience is like, quit making it about you because it's not because there's such a bigger picture that is painted When we have something happen to us and we can share it and just simple obedience, like God will make the follow through happen. So I'm just so encouraged by that. Sarah, can you give us, I have a couple more questions, but can you kind of just give us the outline of your book and, and walk us through when somebody buys it, like, what do you kind of, how did you end up outlining the book? What can they look forward to?
1: Well, it's a devotional and the devotional is set up in a 28 day series. And so the stories are told in a sequence each day. So a section of the story is told, and then there is a scripture. Now the scripture was scripture given to me by our Sunday morning class? They gave me scriptures written on note cards while we were in the hospital. And the lessons that I learned from those scriptures are the lessons that go with the day, the daily devotion. So there is a story, a, a scripture, application, and a prayer. And so even though it's a story, you know, our story is the backdrop, the focus is the, the scripture because regardless of what anyone is going through. They can relate to scripture and the stories just to, to, just to show this is how it impacted us, but God will use that scripture to impact someone else in a very different, meaningful way based upon what they're going through. And so, then in 24 and 25, that is where Shelly tells her story and just to see how it is intertwined together and it really ties in how God used that whole situation. Okay, that's awesome.
0: All right. I have a couple of questions or a question for you guys, because like I said earlier, I feel like it's not like you have to be 40 and things start happening. <laughs> I just feel like when I turned 40, I was like, oh, like now my friends, husbands, like several of them have cancer and people have had, you know, children either rebellion or just, you know, something major happened to a child like Sarah or loss of a child like Shelly. I mean, this is stuff that happens on the regular. And if it hasn't happened to you, I don't mean to be wompy. I know I'm usually like just the positive cheerleader, but I'm like, bad things happen. Like we're not promised an easy life. And if, somebody out there has one like yay i'm excited gen- genuinely excited for you but i i mean it's just not reality but one thing that i think i am learning is how to walk with people in grief in crisis in you know a sad situation but it's hard to do and i would love you guys to just drop some wisdom on how to minister to someone when they're going through something, because I think we, and we're Southern, we're all from Texas here. So, you know, I think the go-to is always like, let me bring you a meal, which is always desired and wanted, trust me. But I think sometimes this kind of situation beyond like bringing someone a meal or, you know, picking up groceries for them or something, but like there is a sense for some people that they don't know what to do. So they pull away because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing or overstepping boundaries. So I think it's nice sometimes to just hear from people like what minister to you. And that might not be everybody's story, but like what are some ways your friends minister to you? What advice can you give in that arena? Cause I want people to be more confident friends When their their friends are facing crisis, and you don't really know what to do, and you feel like the easy thing to do is just kind of disappear in the background and text every once in a while, which is great too. I'm, I don't know. So I mean, obviously, a huge thing is praying for people when you say you're going to pray for people. You know, like that matters. Obviously, you know, just as Sarah shared, like that was daily, igniting miracles in the rehabilitation process. So I i mean, obviously that is one, you you pray for people when you say you will and like pray big, pray for miracles, pray for like God to intervene in big ways. But what are some other things that, that people, how people can minister to people who are going through a crisis?
1: I have some great ways and they are listed in some of the stories of the books because that's one of the ways our community supported us and loved us. And I'm sure Shelly has her own suggestions and practical things that, that people did to support them too. But, you know, one of the things that you said is sometimes people don't know what to do, so they withdraw. And so they don't say anything. And so it gets a little tricky, say something. It could even just be, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. But then also try to resist the urge to say something profound, like God won't give you anything that you can't handle. It's like, I'm sorry. Did you realize what I just said? Like my child had a stroke. Like this is a big deal. And you know, people's intentions are good, but sometimes the best thing you can say is I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. How can I help? Yeah. And just saying, extending yourself to say, what can I do? And sometimes just knowing that they have your support is, is all they need sometimes they may not have a chance to respond. So if they don't respond, don't take it personally, maybe just follow up with them again in a couple of months or weeks or whenever you feel led. But then there are also some practical things. When we were in the hospital, like I said, I had people bringing me care packages with scripture on a ring. But And so yes, there was that spiritual support, but then it was also snacks that I liked. My sister showed up And had decorated Adelie's room in the rehabilitation center with my nieces and nephew to make it look colorful before we arrived because she lived there. She brought me this caramel coffee and like my own coffee kit because I didn't have anything but hospital coffee in the hospital. And so just a coffee kit because she knew I liked coffee. I had another friend who put together a big tub of essentials that I would need while staying in the hospital. And she knew what I would need because she just got out of the hospital because her child had just undergone heart surgery as an infant. Mm -hmm. And she knew what I need. She knew what I would needed, but I didn't know what I was going to need for a long hospital stay because i had never been in that position. The only hospital stay I had ever endured was just to go have babies. (laughs) And at that point, after your second and third, you think you're going on a trip to Cancun because you get a babysitter and somebody's going to like bring you food. So this was a, this was a little different. She brought me a tin of bath mats, towels, wash rags, different things that I would need in the hospital that I didn't know that the hospital didn't provide. And so she just put a little note in the, in the tub with all of these great Uh, supplies and sent it over the night before we were admitted into the hospital. So I was able just to take that in with me and I used every single thing that she put in the tub. And so that was a great way. We had spring break as Shelly was saying during this time. And so we had friends take my seven-year-old with them on their family spring break trip. And he had a blast and it gave me such comfort to know that he was running and playing and and playing paintball and just having the time of his life because we were dealing with something heavy. And I didn't want my other two children to feel that where my daughter got to go with my family and my parents and my nieces. And I knew my other children were cared for. And so those are some practical things that I can think of, of how people showed up and just helped in different ways. And one person doesn't have to do all those things. It's just maybe One simple thing here, depending on what that person likes and what you think they might need in that situation.
0: Shelly, do you have any, anything to add in that area?
2: I mean, really just what Sarah said, um, like be present. The, The hardest part is when people do withdraw, they're afraid to talk to you because they might say the same thing or they might upset you. So I think just not continue on as normal, but acknowledge the situation. You know, we haven't forgotten it you know, bringing up their name is not going to make us sad. We like, I like talking about her even, you know, even seven years later when people remember her, I like that. And then same thing with like my other kids, including them, like they had just lost a sibling. They've got a parent that doesn't know what to do. And so including them in that was really all helpful as well. That's so good. And I think
0: like there's something so big in just asking like how, and especially if you're close to somebody, you know, just like, how do you feel best supported right now? I, you know, that's something I'm learning is just like, everybody is different. Like I am a person who's kind of strange. And if I'm going through something, I want people to like come over and like get in bed with me and like drink coffee and just tell me about their day. Like, tell me a funny story. Cause I'm a very, like, I need humor to deflect something like get in bed with me and like, tell me about after that. Like I'm weird, but my friends know I'm weird. And so, but like, that would freak the heck out of somebody else. And so I think just being bold enough to just say, how can I best love you right now? Like, do you want me to come over or can I just pick up the kids? Would it be helpful for me to pick the kids up and bring them over and feed them tonight? So you can just have some downtime. You know, I think it just, and I will admit, I am not the best person dealing with people who are going through stuff. And I'm really just having to learn that, hey, you kind of don't have a choice (laughs) because we're going to go through this. And like, you don't want to be the absentee friend who just kind of disappears for their own self-preservation, you know? So I think it's really good to hear from you guys that like, hey, you know, you have permission to like. Ask and and be present and not really know what to do, but to just you know say that you're you're praying for them, you're thinking about them. You know, if there's anything I can do, I'm here. Love you. And sometimes that's all you need to know to feel loved. So, you guys, I'm just crying, and so my eyes are really red. My face is really red right now. But I, I just want to tell you, thank you so much for coming on. And sharing so vulnerably. And I just think it's such a beautiful picture of God's provision in our life when we are going through something terrible. And I think you guys are both super brave to put it out to the public and help other people. And that is what it's going to do is help other people.
1: Okay. So Sarah, tell us how we can get hold of the book So right now you can go on to Amazon and purchase A Perfect Storm Devotions During Crisis. Uh, The link for Amazon is also on my blog, sarahnelsonblog.com. Now this is the pre-launch. It's our local pre-launch for our community, even though anyone can go on from anywhere. And we'll have a national launch here in the next couple of months. But for now, um, it's on Amazon. And then they can look to kind of future uh, media posts to be able to then go to like Barnes and Nobles and different retailers locally.
0: And I will link a direct link to that, Sarah and for our listeners, I will link that up as well as um, Sarah's blog. If you want to catch that Shelly, are you private on all social media? Are you
2: public? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't have any, like, I don't have any, like, good content like sarah does we'll find
0: out just just so shelly can have the opportunity for that um not everybody loves it sometimes people are like no don't share my information i don't want people like following me so we'll figure it out for shelly and then (laughs) i'll i will make sure you all know where to find them you guys thank you so
1: much this was so awesome Thank you for letting us come and share. I, I know this story and Shelly's story can help so many people. So thank you for giving us the opportunity. It's, it's been a pleasure. Okay. Thank y'all so much.